big boobs, little boobs, curvy, petite, introvert, extrovert, loud, quiet. You, my friend, perfect, exactly the way you are right now. I'm Steph, your host, the big boobed introvert CEO of Confetti Curves, and I'm going to remind you that confidence comes from loving all that you are right now. Shall we get started? Hi, Jazz, and welcome to Confident in Your Curves. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Steph. I'm excited that we get to do this. Me too. Would you like to introduce yourself to everyone who doesn't already know how awesome you are? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, so for anyone who uh, might not have seen me around the interwebs before, um, I'm Jazz, but I'm also known on Instagram as Conscious Sexuality. Um, I am a conscious sexuality coach, a sex coach, um, an embodiment coach where I love helping those uh, with vulvas to connect to their body, connect to their sexuality and really just become all around more confident when it comes to themselves as a human, but then also how they relate sexually. Love it. You summed that up yeah. so nicely. I've been trying to explain what you do to people. And I'm like, she's just like really cool. And like, it's just, and I'm like, here's her Instagram page. Like, she's amazing. <laughs> so we go. Now I've got like a soundbite that I can share. <laughs> I, I actually like always really struggled to explain what it was that I do. Um, but it's, I've worked hard to kind of like work it out so that I can explain it in a really simple and self-explanatory way because often as well like I say to people I'm like oh I I help people connect to their sexuality and get to know their sexual self and they're like what what do you mean you know Mm. and it is kind of like one of those questions and I always relate it back to well you know how you connect to like your body your mind and your soul we kind of forget out forget about this huge part of us which is our sexuality and that's what I do with people I help them bring that into their life and into their day-to-day relating because it's, I believe, one of the biggest missing links in how we um, ha- hold ourselves and know ourselves. Um, yeah, so that intro was completely on the fly and I, <laughs> I did nail it. You nailed it completely. I love it. <laughs> That's so good. Now, what is it that you love most about yourself right now? Mm. That's a tricky one because I am eight and a half months postpartum since having my son and my body has changed a lot. (laughs) Um, I used to be very different compared to like before I had Bob. So what I like about myself right now, I guess from a physical sense, um, is I actually really like my face and my hair because I cut it all off recently. So that's really fun I'm enjoying this new way of expressing myself um and yeah that's something that I love about myself at the moment I love that because I because I've obviously only known you a couple or maybe a month or so and I didn't realize that you'd only recently cut your hair short until I was stalking your Instagram recently and I was like oh (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's been like one of those things that I've always been really really curious about but I've never taken the leap to do it. Um, and then, yeah, just recently I was like, it's either I'm going to go full bangs again or I'm going to chop it all off. And my hairdresser was like, now, how are you feeling? Are you okay? <laughs> I was like, honestly, I'm so fine. 
it's just one of those things in my life that I'm like, but what if? And I knew that if I never cut it, I'd always be like, yeah, but what would it look like? Mm-hmm. So, and how did I it did feel it. like walking out? Um, no, okay. So I normally really play around with my hair, like playing and doing different things with my hair over my life has been something that I've done a lot. I've gone purple, I've gone blue, I've gone platinum blonde, like I've done all the things, <laughs> but this was really different. Like I was like, it's fine. Even if I don't really like it, it'll grow back. But it was a very big change that I didn't expect mm-hmm. to feel. Um, and so walking out, I was like, no, I love this, but it's very different. Um, and so like mm. for the remainder of the day, every time I caught a look at myself in the mirror, I would freak myself out because I was like, ah, okay, no, it's fine. It's just me. <laughs> uh, but it's definitely grown on me now. Um, and as it starts to grow back and kind of just find its way, it's like, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So, so what made you like, have you always been like a coach or like moved into this kind of like helping people to connect with their sexuality or like what, what drew you to this? Mm, That's a very big question to start (laughs) with. No, (laughs) um, I was not at all in this space, um, I grew up in a very religious family. So talking about sex and sexuality was not talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I grew up with a very limited knowledge around sexuality and um, was also still very heavily involved in religion when I met my now husband. And so we got married without having slept with each other and those, you know, abstinence kind of things. Um, it wasn't until like in, when I was married, so I was probably like mid twenties cause we got married at like 21. So we were very young, yeah. um, mid twenties. Um, I had, I had been experiencing pain with sex intercourse specifically. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I reached a point where I was like, this is obviously not right, but I don't know what to do about it. And I always liken it to feeling like there was this person inside of me that I had yet to connect with Mm. and that I had yet to let out as such. And it was really the physical pain that I was experiencing during intimacy that led me down this road to number one, fixing it. It was a condition called vaginismus. And so I went on a journey to heal that. Um, with pelvic floor physiotherapy and a lot of other things. But then for me, because I'd come out of such a heavy religious environment, I then also started questioning my spiritual beliefs, mm-hmm. um, which is quite common for uh, mm-hmm. anyone who's on this journey of discovering their sexuality and their sex and how they relate. It's quite common to start questioning well, what is it that I believe? Who am I as a person? You know, like it all kind of starts to unravel. And as I started journeying on to being this more sexually expressed person and confident person, um, more and more, I was like, oh, this is actually who I'm meant to be. This is actually how I want to be. This is how I want to express myself in my life. 
Um, and that was probably, probably coming on to about four years ago, I think three, four wow. years ago. Um, and that was met with a lot of backlash though, because I'd come out of a really religious environment and a lot of the people that I had connections with were still in that environment and yeah, it was hard. It wasn't easy. I, I had this really strong desire to evolve as a person and I had a lot of people saying like, yeah, that's not right though. And I was like, um, I think it is. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Did that impact on your relationship as well? Like coming, like both coming from such a religious place and then your desires and stuff like that. Did that then influence the relationship that you have with your husband? Um, yes, it did. But in a good way, I mm. was really lucky in that sense. Um, that everything that I was kind of deciding to learn about and the journey that I was on, I kind of just started going on it and hubby just kind of had to come along for the ride. Um, and we just sort of, we just worked it out together, I guess. And anything that I would learn, I'd be like, yeah, I learned this new thought today. And he'd be like, yeah, okay, that's interesting. And, you know, then he'd, you know, kind of mull on it and see what he thought. It was a bit of a fluke because he sort of started, I guess, the, the common term for people that have been in religion is deconstruction, mm -hmm. where you kind of just deconstruct everything that you were raised in and start to reconstruct a new belief system. So it was quite fortunate that he had subtly started doing his own deconstruction more from mm -hmm. a spiritual sense while I was really honing in on like my sexuality stuff and working through the painful sex and everything in between like mindset and, and physiology and all those sorts of things. So yeah, I was really fortunate in that he was like, yeah, that's cool. And he didn't really ever be like, nah, that's, that's fucked. Like, what are you on? <laughs> yeah. Just like, you're a bit crazy today. Let's maybe like turn it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, to have that support must have made it feel like so much easier and like really reinforced that you were on the right path. Yeah, it was really quite imperative to have that support because I wasn't getting the support from family and friends. Um, so essentially he was my only sort of support during that time. Um, along the way, I met a lot of amazing people that are now like really my close friends. Um, but until I met those people... I really only had him and so it was quite important that for me anyway that he was supporting everything that I was exploring and journeying on um, and, and it's really only made our marriage better to be honest because we then kind of like did it together and because again we were raised so conservatively when it came to sex we were you know working things out together we because we couldn't have intercourse we had to work out other ways to be intimate and so we got to experience that together, which was really nice in that I wasn't single and having to like have, you know, casual sex and be like, okay, this is what I'm going through and this is what I like and this is what I don't like and you got to make sure you abide by every single thing that I say. Like it was really nice in that he was my only partner and he knew what was possible and what wasn't possible. So it created a really nice safety net um, while we were on that journey of yeah, exploring that. That's lovely. So how does your journey then turn into sharing and coaching others? 
Hmm. Yeah. I've really, um, I felt really let down by people around me when it came to my lack of knowledge around sex. And obviously for those who have been in a religious experience environment, when it came to knowing sex, the very common language is yes, it's for marriage and that's it. You can do whatever you want when you're married, but until then we don't talk about it. But there was this undertone of promise that when you did get married, that your sex would be magical and wonderful and unicorns and rainbows and sparkles. Wow. (laughs) Um, And so because my experience was not sparkles and rainbows, it was actually the opposite. I was like, Mm. I'm sorry. Like (laughs) no one told me that this was possible. Mm. Um, And so I felt really let down by that and I was like well if I don't know about it I'm sure there's a million other people out there who have no idea that intercourse could be painful so I'm gonna start talking about it online and so obviously social media was all the rage and so I was like well I'm gonna I'm gonna go online you know I'd I'd been doing like my own coaching I had my own coach who was helping me work through things and I was like I'm just gonna start telling my story and I just started yeah sharing and sharing what I was going through, the process of what I was going through to overcome the painful sex. And then that just kind of then overflowed into the spiritual deconstruction that I was going through as well. And, and because I was exploring how I wanted to portray myself in the world, I also did that publicly on social media. And that was a lot of fun for me. It was really liberating. It felt like I had, I guess, unlocked a version of myself that I never thought could come out in public. Mm. And so doing it on social media, I had so many amazing people being like, yeah, this is so great. Like, thank you for sharing this. I had a lot of support from strangers all over the world who were all of a sudden saying, oh yeah, I have this too, or I relate to this too. And I was discovering this whole world of information around sex that I didn't know existed Mm. and that was really kind of the kickstart into it I started sharing I I went to a retreat um in Byron Bay with uh my coach she's American but she came to Australia and there was only a small handful of us that um did her retreat and it was it was the I would say like the, the pivotal part in my journey where I was like, okay, I'm all in on this. You know, I had a, I guess I felt like I I was at a crossroads and I had a option to choose. I could keep going the way I was going Mm -hmm. and I would always wonder, or I could choose the way that I really felt my heart was pulling me probably cop a lot of negativity for it. But I was like, well, do I betray myself? in effort to please everyone around me, which is what I've been doing already. (laughs) Or, or do I for once feel like I'm actually choosing myself despite everybody else around me. And I decided to put myself first. And that was really the, yeah, I guess the path that I took to, to lead me to where I am today. I started 
basically just doing a hectic deep dive into everything I possibly could. I was like buying all the books. I was like listening to all the podcasts. I was like, I was commuting to work at that point. So I was like on the bus for an hour to work and an hour home. And I'd listen to like two or three podcasts a day. Like I was deep. I was immersed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I needed that to mm. I, I because I didn't have any other support apart, apart from my husband like I needed to know that I wasn't alone in what I was searching for that's awesome and now you're sharing it with everyone yeah and now I just get online and I just share and those people in the beginning that kind of had problems with what I was doing they've just had to come around to the idea that this is what I'm doing this is the journey I'm on it's not a phase um <laughs> you know uh, mm-hmm. it's, this is my life. This is what I'm doing. I'm, I am pursuing a legit career in this area of my life by sharing a lot of things vulnerably online. I'm studying, I'm learning because yeah, ultimately I realized I was really passionate about breaking down the stigma and the barriers around sex and sexuality. And it's such a huge component of our life when we think about sex, but there mm. is so not many topics like it's a lot better now obviously like especially when you kind of immerse your world your world into it on social media you're like when you come out of that you're like oh people still think this other way okay all right (laughs) okay um you're not educated yourself because oh my god there's this whole world (laughs) exactly so sometimes like when you step out of it you're just like oh gosh okay people are still thinking this way right okay uh It's one of those things, especially because, like, you know, you get, like, your teenage, like, in your teenage teenage years, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, like, Dolly Doctor and Cosmo mm-hmm. Clear, like, sex advice section, yeah. and, like, you're chatting with your friends. But then, like, that's it, and that's not even, like, your sexuality. That's just, like, a couple of, like, experiences. Yeah. And so we're kind of out there blind, or I 100%. feel blind at times. Yeah, no, 100%. You are right in that because, like, like you said, you get some of this information from a magazine and it's only a paragraph. It's not even close to the amount of information that you actually need to know. Um, and then these teenagers are going into trying experiences and they don't know that they can say no. They don't know that they should be using a condom. They don't know that they need lubricant because sometimes your own um, wetness isn't enough. Mm-hmm. And then they go into these experiences and then they come out of it and you know, they're like, What? Why is everyone hyping this up? Exactly. <laughs> like, this is what we're all talking about? Okay. <laughs> exactly. And, and and even just, I mean, the my biggest, biggest pet peeve is how um, everyone likens the hymen to virginity. Mm. And, I mean, that's heavily in the Christian world, but it's still definitely filtered into the secular oh, yeah. kind of scene. Um, and I'm just like, the hymen literally has nothing to do with virginity. <laughs> nothing. Even doctors don't really know why it's there. (laughs) So I'm like, stop telling people that the first time they're going to have sex, it's going to A, hurt, and B, it means your condom Mm -hmm. is going to break. No, it's a piece of stretchy membrane. (laughs) Jeez. Oh, man. uh, And like in the same realm, people calling the vulva a vagina? Like, can we just... Yeah. The vagina's inside, guys. Vulva is the yep. outside. But that just really goes to show that 
the sex education that people have received and still are receiving is not at all accurate. It's not anatomically accurate. It's not physically accurate. It's just this old idea that's come from who knows how long way back and no one's thought to check, "Mm, do we need to update our information? (laughs) Are we actually referring to the right thing? (laughs) Like you see all the other topics around that get tossed around on the internet and they're like, oh no, coffee is now good for you. Red wine is good for the heart. Oh no, now coffee's not good for you. Nope, you shouldn't be (laughs) drinking red wine. It's like, why aren't we doing the same thing when it comes to sex? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And like, why does it become so taboo to like, or just not even spoken about, like the connection to your sexuality, not just in like a, I had this sexual experience, but like just having those discussions and actually finding your sexuality in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I think when it comes to those that identify as female, um, it's a real power struggle. And Mm. to harp on about the patriarchy, bloody patriarchy. (laughs) It's everywhere. (laughs) They, like, if you look back into history and all of that, all these stories about sex and sexuality have been started by old white men. Mm. Now, I'm not harping on about all white men. So anyone (laughs) listening, don't get your knickers in a knot. But there are plenty of them out there that have started these narratives about how women should feel about sex, how we should be having sex, and all these sorts of bits and pieces. And I believe the reason for Mm. that is because we actually harness an incredible amount of power when it comes to discovering our sexuality and they're freaking scared. Mm. They are intimidated by a woman when she steps into her power from a sexual perspective and she knows herself, she knows what she wants, she knows who she wants it from and there's no way that we can be taken advantage from. And of course, someone is going to come in and go, oh, we need to try and dismantle that because we don't want them in power. (laughs) Mm. Hence the narrative. Yeah. And like the obsession with also orgasm as well. Like I had a sexual encounter recently and I didn't like have an orgasm. I still had a fun time. And like afterwards he was like, like what was wrong? Like, like what happened? I was like, um, yeah it just I still had a good time like no hard feelings like everything's all good like you're making it awkward now like it wasn't before like <laughs> we can enjoy like sexual yeah. inter- like encounters without the like must orgasm kind of thing yeah I mean again that's another story that's been told hasn't it it's been told that sex mm. equals orgasm mm. and so that when you don't orgasm is that even sex apparently not <laughs> You know, but like again, it's yeah, yeah, it's just this story. And then, Mm -hmm. I mean, um, or like lack of orgasm again on the flip side is another huge element that's missing because it's not being prioritized for, Mm. um, you know, those with a vulva and a clitoris and all of that. Um, but then orgasm doesn't have to be the goal every single time. There are still so many other ways that we can connect and be intimate together Mm. without it having to end in this huge climax. But again, that's what that's what we've been taught yeah and like so much of our education comes from porn as well which is just terrifying within itself (laughs) yeah (laughs) so these expectations that like you have like that you can have as well as your partner have from you it just is not realistic at all 
Yeah, when you really kind of break it down and think about it, a lot of the information that gets shared around sex, whether it's porn, whether it's um, on Instagram, social media, whether it's on the internet, like a blog, Google, mm-hmm. it's there's a lot of misinformation out there that's still being spoken about when it comes to like core information about Mm. sex like there's blog articles that are like five more ways that you can make your orgasm better and it's like okay in theory that's cool yeah (laughs) but why is that the focus like you're saying Mm. why do we need to have to have orgasm yeah um and I I think it's I think it's a probably a bit of a, a not normal thought for people when it comes to sex like their understanding is that it will finish in orgasm and and that means that it's complete. The finale has been made. <laughs> you don't start a race if you don't want to finish it. God, like, and that's the mindset. It's like I'm going on a hike. Like there is no yep. fit. Like there doesn't have to be a finish line. I can just enjoy the experience. I mean, I'm going to argue with that one. If I'm I'm not going on a hike unless there's an end goal. Okay, I'm not going to walk around in circles, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> just taking in scenery. <laughs> Stop and have a snack. <laughs> I'm interested in a lookout or something to, to view. Okay. I'm not interested in circles. <laughs> but I do hear what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Is there something that like you see like all the time in people that it's just simple that we're just not kind of like seeing or like understanding or a piece of advice. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I hear you. Mm. I think the most common thread in what I talk to people about or when I'm interacting with people online is the disconnect to their body. Mm. And a lot of that time is because we're constantly existing in our head which is a very masculine, energetic way of relating. Mm -hmm. And being in our body means that we're accessing our feminine energy more. And it goes against everything that we've been taught. Mm -hmm. And that is why that's the most common thread because people don't know how to connect to their body because they've never been taught how. And that's how you and I came to be. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's like when I talk to people about what I do or when I'm sharing my, my offerings or my coaching services to people, um, it's one of the questions or it's one of the things that people come to me. They're like, I'm just, I'm, I'm sick of like not having a good sexual experience. I'm sick of not being in my body. Um, And often the not being in their body is kind of the most obvious thing that they're aware of. And Mm -hmm. then there's a whole host of things that comes after it, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is so fine. Like I'm not saying that in a critical way at all. Um, It's often that, um, yeah, it's like, oh, I'm not having enough sex or I have a low libido or I, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what I want. And so that's Mm -hmm. the, most obvious thing that people identify and then once they come to me and we work together there's often a multitude of other things that are underlying 
as to why they can't get into their body or why they might have a low libido um, and those sorts of things. And then we work through, it could be inner child healing, it could be religious upbringing, it could be pain with intimacy, it could be um, just that lack of education around sex, around pleasure, around anatomy. Um, I mean, Mm. I didn't get a full understanding of how my body works when it comes to pleasure until I was like 27. Yeah. And it's a very and I don't think that's common a unique... story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very common. Um, and I guess for me, I'm like, well, I was 27. That's a shock. But I've also met so many other people that were in their 40s and 50s um, when they finally had an actual true understanding of how pleasure works within their body. Mm. Which is, it's really sad that um, we've essentially been lied to all these years. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying that someone has lied to us intentionally but there's just been I mean it could be very possible but there's just a whole host of information that's lacking and and we're trying to fix it now yeah which is great (laughs) definitely and like who doesn't want more pleasure like it doesn't like not even just in general like pleasure is good like let's have that that's right exactly but then when you think about pleasure being good you do get that undertone story of, yeah, but I don't deserve pleasure or Mm -hmm. I'm too busy for pleasure. I don't have time for pleasure. Um, I don't even know how to get pleasure. Um, Mm -hmm. So it it can be as simple as, oh, yeah, of course we want more pleasure, but unfortunately so many people don't know how to access it. Yeah. And really simply it's about learning how to get into our body. Which is really hard. (laughs) Well, it me, is. it's been a difficult experience. Like we've been working together and I, like, it's a really conscious thing, it's, which sounds silly to like stop and pause and trying to get into my body again is a really, it's, it's tough. Yeah. And that's, I guess, how I came to the point of why I call myself conscious sexuality, because it was about, um, I, I have like a little phrase and it's kind of like, it's bringing that which is in the dark into the light. So it's bringing the subconscious to the forefront of our head, into our frontal cortex, into our subconscious, uh, our conscious, sorry. Mm-hmm. And then that's how we can start to rewire and reconnect and activate all these parts of us that are there. Um, it's just that we've never been taught how to access it and it's just lived in the back of us somewhere Um, and so that's why I often say to people as well, like, I'm not giving you something that's an external thing. I'm actually just helping you access what already exists within you. You have it all, you contain it all, but you often just don't know how to access it and activate it. And so that's why we do the work around connecting to the body. And then it becomes a conscious part of who we are. And then it becomes habitual and then it becomes first nature and then we just live our life and we're like, yeah, this is what I do. This is how I live. Um, it takes time. It takes work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it took a number of years for me to make it exactly who I was. It, it, I had to practice and practice and practice. But that's like with anything. I mean, you go to oh. uni to study something and, and you got to practice and practice and practice. So it's the same thing with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if you don't use it, you lose it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, definitely. 
if there was something that you could like tell every like vulva owner out there to like really reinforce do you have something that you would love to tell them hmm. <laughs> on the spot just to make you what think a question hard, isn't it <laughs> we- mm. it might be more than one thing but let's Go start <laughs> yeah <laughs> the more information the better um a really important thing is to get to know your vulva mm. and that can be one of it can be two ways so depending where you are in your journey it might feel really scary or daunting to get to know your vulva because you're like it's literally just another part of my body why do I need to get to know it and the reason is is because it's one of the core parts of our body that connects us to our pleasure and so the first way that you could connect to your vulva which is a really low-key way of doing it is simply by like whether you're dressed or not dressed you can put a hand on your vulva and acknowledge it Mm. you can say hello how are you you can connect the other way is by taking off your clothes sitting in front of a mirror and spreading your legs and actually looking at your vulva because One of the stories that we do get told is as we're little girls and we start to learn about our body is we start to touch ourselves and we get told, no, don't do that. That's gross. And so then we never look at ourselves. You know, we might have a period and we're like, oh, blood, gross, Mm -hmm. or all the things that happen to our body. So that's why it can be really important to actually look at your vulva and get to know her get to know your labia majora, your labia minora, find where your clitoris is, find where your two holes are. You have two holes, you have a urethra hole and you have your vaginal hole. And then you also have your anus. So that's three holes actually. (laughs) And whether you have ingrown hairs from shaving or color discoloration from something else, whether you have a real level of sensitivity it's really important that we have a connection to this part Mm. of our body because then we can harness what we know about our body a lot more and then that will help our sexual experiences, whether they're solo or partnered, be a hell of a lot better. That is a brilliant advice. (laughs) I love it. It it can be really daunting to sit in front of a Mm. mirror. There's actually a really cool chick in England who does – pussy gazing classes where it's a workshop and you go and you sit with a group of women in a circle and you have a small mirror and you all look at your pussies together. Wow. And that's like um, so out there obviously, but like incredibly healing. Yeah. I found it really interesting. There's a um, lady on Instagram comfortable in my skin L, and she has a book on her website called flip flip through my flaps and it's pictures of like all these different amazing like so many different like versions of vulvas really and it's incredible to just go oh actually like no that's normal and to like because you know one side could be longer than the other or different lengths and thicknesses and colors and all those kind of things so it's a really good resource as well to just kind of be like it's you know, I want to make sure that I feel okay about it because, you know, there is, again, the porn aspect of, like, it, 
I don't look like that. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. And, and there's a media law for magazines and things like that, that, um, vulvas are only allowed to be portrayed with like a single crease. So then (laughs) that's why when you look at vulvas on magazines or billboards and things like that, they're not actually realistic images of what a vulva actually looks like. So yeah, Ellie's website is an amazing resource. I'm also super biased because I do a lot of work for her as well in terms of admin and all that sort of stuff. Um, (laughs) um, That's, I do that on the side, but um, so I love Ellie's website and the flip through my flaps. There's like over a hundred images of like long labias, short labias, um, all sorts of different ones. And so it's, yeah, if you think you're not normal, FYI, there's no such thing as normal when it comes right. to a vulva. Mm-hmm. And, and when we think about all the other parts of our body, you know, like we all know that our faces are different. So why are we not carrying on about the fact that our faces don't look the same? Why is it that our vulvas have to look the same? you know or our boobs like she's got a blog on there as well about like different boobs and sight and all that sort of stuff um and then she's also just ventured into penises too so if you want to see all oh. different penises there's a now blog on the website too about that so <laughs> all the body parts are all up there it's a place to go yeah <laughs> i did not know about that magazine law but that's yeah in- baffling yeah it's really bad mm. that's crazy yeah I know it's like it's yeah I don't know even where to start to like try and get it changed but again Mm. I'm sure it just stems from this whole shame around vulvas and body image and all that sort of stuff and so it's yeah unfortunately when you do see things in public it's not a true representation and thus women think that they don't look normal exactly because you're not going to send a picture to your friend and be like this is what mine looks like is that what yours looks like Exactly. I mean, maybe some people do that. I don't know. I never had that experience myself. (laughs) So maybe some people do. If you (laughs) are in that experience with somebody and you are exchanging how your vulvas look, don't shame anyone for it just because it looks different or maybe they've got longer labia or shorter labia or whatever. Just Mm -hmm. tell them that their vulva looks beautiful. Exactly. They're all uniquely beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Is there anything else you would like to share with the audience? Hmm. No, I don't think so. I think like I've given, I've shared a lot and I don't want to, I don't want to overwhelm anybody (laughs) (laughs) Um, with what we've spoken about tonight. Um, I think I would just reiterate the importance of having a deep connection to our body and we probably underestimate the importance of needing to connect to our body Um, Mm. I did an Instagram post, um, probably about a month ago now where it says embodiment is actually a rebellion. Um, and it's because connecting to our body on a really deep level and knowing ourselves so intricately is everything that the patriarchy doesn't want. So if you're looking for a big fuck you then get into your body. Love that. (laughs) That's so good. Fuck the patriarchy. (laughs) All day, every day. (laughs) Uh, thank you so much for being here and sharing so much like juicy information. I am so grateful that for you being here. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, for sure. I have loved coming on and having a chat. I, it's been a while since I've done a podcast. So I've absolutely loved getting back into it again and having a chat. It's been a lot of fun. 
Um, if anyone does want to find me on the internet, if you're on Instagram, my Instagram handle is at conscious sexuality, super easy to find me there. Um, I do also have a website called www.consciousexuality.com.au. Um, and then I, it's not up and running at the moment. Like I'm on pause, but I also have my own podcast, um, which I've done, sorry, sort of for the past two years and you can just find it on podcast platforms under conscious sexuality, the podcast. Um, and there's quite a few stories on there from even more deeper stories about my journey and the vaginismus painful sex journey that I've been on. So if anyone's curious about that as well. Um, but honestly, I'm just basically on Instagram. Mostly that's where everything happens. So jump on there. If you've got questions, my DMS are always open. I love to have chats. And Jasmine is an amazing coach. I've been working with you for four weeks now, three yeah. weeks. And honestly, life-changing. And it's just highly recommend. Yes, thank you. If yes. anyone is interested in coaching, then yeah, definitely send an inquiry through. We can have a chat for sure. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. And I'll no see worries. you in our thank weekly catch-up. <laughs> If you just had as much fun as we did, come follow us on Instagram at Confetti Curves, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you never miss an episode.